This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin a program that was popular in the 40s, well, 1942 to be exact. A few thoughts about that year, then we'll look at the talent you'll be hearing. Following the U.S. entering the war, the mobilization of war efforts were quick and effective, with car makers and other manufacturers changing to productions of weapons of war. The war also created a new breed of movies with war themes. And one of the most popular songs of all time, White Christmas, was sung by Bing Crosby in the movie Holiday Inn. Beginning in October, the United States government increasingly encouraged U.S. citizens to donate and gather scrap materials and fabrics for the war effort. Now, these scrap days are held throughout the country and asked ordinary people to take any scrap materials they could get their hands on into their local scrap merchant. Then the scrap would be used to create the raw materials needed to build tanks, guns, and ships that were desperately needed. Children were also encouraged to bring the scrap materials to school, as many of the schools and public buildings became local donation centers. In some cases, children brought up to 10 pounds of scrap weekly. Well, that's a perfect little bit of information because it leads right into what Fibber McGee and Molly's program is all about tonight. You see... Fibber is heeding the message of the government that instead of buying a new straw hat, he's going to refurbish his old one. Save what you have. Conserve. Make what you have do a little longer. That's the watchword nowadays. And the master of 79 Wistful Vista is not one to violate a national policy. So here, gazing speculatively at his last year's straw hat, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. McGee, what on earth are you going to do with that straw hat? What do you suppose I'm going to do with it? I'm going to wear it. Well, now, isn't that carrying conservation to extremes? Why, <laughs> it looks terrible. Well, I'll either wear this this summer or I'll wear that checkered golf cap. Oh, no, no. No, not that, dearie, not that. Okay. So I'll wear this. What do they charge to clean a straw hat? Oh, 50 or 75 cents ordinarily. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I think they'd make a special rate of $4. <laughs> well, I can get a new one for two ninety-five. Now, that's what I was hinting at. In my delicate way. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do it. The government wants us to conserve, and by the million merry men of the mighty MacArthur, I'm going to conserve. Well, when you get through with that miracle, you might take a minute off and invent a shower curtain that won't slap you in the face when your back is turned. <laughs> and vice versa. 
he threw that in. Now, don't worry. I can make this hat look like new. We got any art gum? Now, listen, cleaning that thing with art gum would be like bombing Tokyo with confetti. <laughs> well, doggone it, what do you use to clean a straw hat? Well, if everybody knew that, what would the people do uh, who clean them for a living? Okay, okay, I'll find a way. I'll bet the drugstore has got a preparation that'll clean straw hats. Give me the phone. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me Kramer's Drugstore on the corner of Mert. Is that you? Oh, no. <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? It is, eh? What's say, Mert? Your uncle. Smashed his face and broke one of his hands. Oh, what's the matter, McGee? Did he drop his watch? Oh, sure. <laughs> Hello, Mert. Nah, she guessed it right off. <laughs> what's say, Mert? Okay, I'll call later. Say, look, dearie, I don't think the government would care if you threw that hat away and got another one. If you wear this one, it'll be bad for morale. Whose? Mine. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. I've made up my mind to clean this hat. And by the merry mighty men... No, I said that. You know what I've made... You know what I've made up my mind? <laughs> Indeed I do, precious boy. You're about as flexible as a poker. <laughs> and just as busy as turning things up. <laughs> I got character. All us McGee's have got that old persistence need. We follow through. When we start something, we finish. You don't say. Yes, sir. How about that ship in the bottle you started to carve in the spring of 1928? Well, I got my finger stuck in the neck of the bottle and had to bust it. I couldn't go through life waving a three-masted schooner at people, could I? Oh, I don't know. It might give you a little individuality. People would say, you know Fibber McGee. He's the man with the sloop on his pinky. <laughs> well, gee whiz, a fella can't always just... Hey, we got any peroxide? I think so. What for? I bet I can clean my straw hat with that. It's a bleach, ain't it? Well, yes, I think it is. But I never heard of anybody cleaning a hat with it. Well, I'm going to try it anyway. What can I lose? Well, you can lose a hat. And I can lose a bottle of peroxide. But go ahead now. Where would the steamboat be today if Eli Whitney hadn't invented the cotton gin, is what I always say. <laughs> I'll go get you the peroxide, dearie. Where would the steamboat be today if Eli Whitney... Well, Whitney didn't invent the steamboat. What'd the cotton gin have to do with the steamboat if... Well, of course, they carried cotton in steamboats, but if Fulton hadn't... But Fulton didn't invent the cotton gin. That was Whitney. So if the steamboat had... Doggone it, I wish Molly would get her facts straight. I can't sit around here all day. Come in. Hi, mister. What you doing? Oh, hello, sis. I'm going to bring this Katie back to life. Hmm? I says I'm going to launder this lid, this straw hat. I'm going to clean it. How? Huh? Hmm? You says, how am I going to clean it? I know it. A lap, sis, is a moot point. Oh. <laughs> What's the matter? Don't you know what a moot point is? Sure I do, I bet you. My uncle has a moot, and it's a pointer. <laughs> That's a mutt, not a moot. And you better run along now, sis. In a few minutes, I'm going to be deep in the heart of skimmer scraping. Can we talk business a minute, mister? Oh, business, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, as the furnace says, when the guy walks up with a nasty look, something tells me I'm going to be shook down again. <laughs> well, let's get to it, sis. What's the racket? I don't hear anything. No. <laughs> What's your angle? What business are you referring to? You mean what am I selling? Seeds. Seeds? Sure. Vegetable seeds. 
sourgrass seeds and radishes and cabbages and, and turnips and potatoes and marshmallows and petunias. Oh, 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 wait a minute. You can't eat petunias. You ever try any? Well, no, but petunias... And petunias and onions and carrots <laughs> and cod liver oil. You can't plant cod liver oil either. You can, as far as I'm concerned, mister. <laughs> I despise it. You want some seeds, hmm? No, I don't believe I'd care. Haven't you got a victory garden, mister, hmm, haven't you? <laughs> no, I, I've been thinking of starting one, but somehow look, I just... Look, mister, hmm? look. How can we win this war if everybody says, well, I've been thinking of doing something, but I never get it? Sis, you really got a point there. And My I'm... teacher says that every single vegetable we grow means so much more food for our soldiers and sailors. She says we got to have a green land here for those boys in Iceland. Well, that's a very good idea. And she I think... says we have an ocean between us and Australia and an ocean between us and Europe. And if we have an ocean that we can just sit around doing nothing, we better get smart. <laughs> Your teacher is a very intelligent She says that an army travels on its stomach, and if we don't keep them full of fuel, we just don't know our groceries. <laughs> You're absolutely right, sis. Give me two bucks worth of seeds, and I'll get to work and tomorrow. And furthermore, mister, huh? my teacher says it's much better to get blisters on our hands than calluses on our hearts. And whether we're buying bonds or planting vegetables, there's only one thing we gotta do, and that's dig, dig, dig. seems to work. Look at it. What makes it so fuzzy? This brush is kind of rough on it, I guess. Where'd you get that brush? Well, it ain't exactly a brush. It's, 
It's Lillian's curry comb. <laughs> now, McGee, you take that right back to the garage. I won't let anybody else use my brush and comb, and I'm sure Lillian would feel the same way about it. Why won't you let anybody else use your hairbrush? Well, I just don't like the idea, that's all. Don't hurt your hairbrush any just to clean a straw hat with it. Maybe it won't. <laughs> McGee. <laughs> Did you use my hairbrush to scrub that awful old hat with? No, not very long. It was too soft and wasn't making any impression, so I just had to throw it away. Now, believe me, if we weren't going to have guests just at this minute, my fine amateur bonnet brusher, I'd... I'd what I'd... would you do? Well, nothing, probably. <laughs> I can buy another hairbrush, but amusing husbands are hard to get. <laughs> Come in. Hello there, kids. How are you fixed for Christmas cards? Christmas cards? Aren't you jumping the gun a little, old-timer? It's eight months till next Christmas. I still got a dirty little deficit from the last one. <laughs> Johnny, let's talk this over man to man. You mean I'm not in on this discussion, huh? You stay right here, daughter. In selling Christmas cards, it's the women that have the say-so. I'm convinced of that. How long you been selling them? Mm, you're my first customer, but I'm easy convinced. <laughs> now look at the first one of the book here. Happy, happy Yuletide from Canada to the Isthmus. Geography doesn't matter when we wish you Merry Christmas. Does <laughs> that one appeal to you? Now, please, Mr. Oldtimer, how can you expect anybody to get hopped up about Christmas right after Easter? That reminds me. I got Easter greetings, too. Here's one that says, North or South, East or West, Easter with you is Easter at best. Only two dollars a dozen engraved with your no, name. No, your no, home. no, 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 no. <laughs> we don't want any. Come back in six or seven months, and we might talk business, old-timer. Six or seven months, eh? Yeah. I see. That'll be November. Better buy your Thanksgiving cards now and save me a trip. Here's one that says... But we don't want to. It says white meat, dark meat, all around the town. (laughs) Close the sample book and lay off, will you, old-timer? We're not in the market. Why... It ain't like you, Johnny. You always was full of the holiday spirit. But if, if that's how you feel about it... Why, the idea of Christmas cards at this time of the year. <laughs> at least you didn't try to sell us any Father's Day's cards. Got them right here, Johnny, Father's Day. <laughs> Here's the Papa, bless his heart, bone fat, not so smart. We love him and we no. love him. No! Okay. <laughs> Hey, Molly, I wonder if I couldn't clean this hat with just plain soap and water. Shall I soak it? I would, right out the window. <laughs> oh, you're not any help. Now, let me see. What might do the job? Toothpaste? Lighter fluid? Ammonia? Grease. Grease? What kind? Elbow. Mm, take more than that. <laughs> I'm all out of peroxide, and it's going to take some chemical that'll bleach it yellow again. Don't tell me that hat was yellow, McGee. Well, it was yellow. Do you mean to tell me that any hat that would wear a band with purple polka dots out in public is yellow? <laughs> Look, Molly, will you please take this thing serious? Here I'm trying to save myself some dough. Hello, folks. Oh, hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Harlow. Come on in and... What's sniffing at? What's that odd smell? It's peroxide, Mr. Wilcox. Oh. McGee's been trying to bleach a straw hat. It's gone brunette on him. <laughs> well, why don't you do what I did last year, Fibber? What was that? Well, I took my Panama out of the closet and wore it down to the office. 
I didn't notice how soiled it was until people began to comment. Oh, it must have been embarrassing. Oh, it was. There I was, dashing in and out of the office all day, dictating letters about how Johnson's glow coat was such a marvelous labor and time saver because it eliminates rubbing and buffing and dries in 20 minutes or less to a beautiful, lustrous finish. Yes, but how about the hat? What hat? Oh, 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 my Panama. Yeah, yeah. Well, I still hadn't noticed how bad it looked. And me so sensitive to dust and dirt, too, on account of selling Johnson's self-polishing glow coat so long. And glow coat being marvelous for soiled and dull linoleum. So when I finally got through with my work, which was mostly writing an advertisement about how glow coat preserves and protects your linoleum, and it's particularly important right now to conserve what you have... Yes, uh, but the hat, the hat. Uh, What do you mean? What did you do with your Panama hat? I sent it out and got it clean. <laughs> There's still a funny smell in here. That, Mr. Wilcox, is McGee burning. <laughs> you want me to take your hat down to the cleaners on my way, Fibber? No, thank you. <laughs> okay, see you later. If that ain't what the... was the matter with that? Now, when things get soiled, the logical thing to do is to get them cleaned with most people. Uh, but with you, the most logical thing to do is something fantastic. Look, the people who clean hats are human beings. I'm a human being. So I can clean a hat, too. I'm a human being, too. And so are the people who go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. But do I go yachting in a hog's head and not in a pig's ear? <laughs> Come in. Oh, it's Mayor Latrivia. Come right in, Mr. Mayor. Good day, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, Politico. Have a seat for your city call. <laughs> no, thank you. I merely wanted to ask you, McGee, if you would serve on a committee of which I happen to be chairman. Mr. Mayor, asking McGee to serve on a committee is like waving a blue rag at a bull. You mean red, Molly. <laughs> With a blue rag, nothing would happen. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> What is the uh, committee, Mr. Mayor? It's to organize our citizens to write more letters to their friends and relatives, sons and brothers and fathers in the Army and Navy, and give them more news from home. Why, sure, Latrivia. I'm your man. When do I start? Tomorrow morning. The committee meets in my office at the City Hall at 10.30. Well, you bet I'll be there, because it's a good cause, too. Indeed it is. I was a captain in the Army during the last war, and I know how it is to get a letter from home. Oh, so you were a captain in the Army. An Annapolis man? Annapolis is a Navy school, McGee. Uh, don't they have captains in the Navy? Of course, but I happen to be in the Army. What's the matter, not smart enough to get into Annapolis? <laughs> I didn't try to get into Annapolis. Why not? You might have graduated as a general. They don't graduate students from Annapolis as generals, Mrs. McGee, and they don't have generals in the Navy. I thought you said you were in the Army. I was in the Army. Well, then, uh, what made you think you could ever be a general in the Navy? <laughs> I didn't think I could be a general in the Navy, Mrs. McGee. That was your idea. Go on. She didn't even know you then. I didn't say she did. I merely said that the Army has nothing to do with Annapolis. Snobbish? Yes. No! Not at all. Annapolis is strictly a Navy school, and I, being in the Army, could not have got a commission there. What do you want a commission for? Couldn't you live on your salary? Yes, I could! I was merely trying to tell you that... McGee. Huh? Were you in the Army? Oh, indeed he was, Mr. Mayor. He was a private in the Engineer Corps. Do you still have that old Army spirit, McGee? You bet I do, Latrivia. Fine. I was a captain, and I do, too. Huh? <laughs> 
Mr. Mayor. You marched him right through the bay window. Yes. Isn't that too bad? Well, good day, Mrs. McGee. The King's Men sing Hey Mabel. There's a girl who lives next door to me who's got the fellas up, 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 up in a tree. They all go for her in a great big way, but she won't tumble down. So here is what they say. Hey Mabel. Hey Mabel. Hey Mabel. Mabel, hey! When she's walking down the street, all the boys are mighty sweet. Hey Mabel. worse looking and kind of streaked with pink and blue, so I tried diamond. Look. Oh, lovely. Uh-huh. <laughs> a robin's egg blue straw hat. How ducky. You think it looks too sissy to wear? Well, I think it'd be all right if you carried a cane. A cane? Me carry a cane? Well, if you wore that hat, you'd have to carry a cane. <laughs> or brass knuckles. Well, shucks. The men's fashion magazines all say... Oh, heavenly days. Hide that pastel atrocity, McGee. What for? I don't want anybody to think I'm the kind of a woman who has the kind of a husband who'd wear that kind of a hat. <laughs> oh, who cares? Come in. Ah, oh, hello, Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. <laughs> Is that a new hat? It's not new, Mr. Wimpley. It's just died. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. That's a new hat you got on, too, ain't it, Wimp? Yes, it is, Mr. McGee. Does it seem a bit wobbly over my ears? Well, now that you speak of it, Mr. Wimple, it does seem a little tippy on the temples. Yes, Sweetie Face bought it that way. <laughs> she didn't take me along when she got it, and the clerk told her she could get a big one for the same price as a small one. And she didn't mind to know she'd married a little shrimp like me. 
Ah, she was just kidding, Wimp. <laughs> she was just pulling your leg. I know. Now, I wish she'd stop it. It keeps coming out of joint. <laughs> Tell me, Mr. Wimple, does Sweetie Face pick all your clothes? No, just my pockets. <laughs> I, I caught her at it last week, and it made me simply furious. Uh-oh. I hope you didn't do anything drastic, like sticking your tongue out at her. Oh, no. I just said, Sweetie Face, I said... If you don't stop treating me like this, I'm going to run away. Oh, good for you, Mr. Wimple. Was she impressed? Indeed she was, Mrs. McGee. Ever since then, she's been wrapping my lunch up in road mats. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd better be running along now. I've got to meet Sweetie Face at the Army Airport. Army Airport? What's she going to do out there? Some officer promised to take her up in a blimp, and he said I could come along for ballast. Oh, what's ballast? Oh, my gosh. Ballast. That's what they throw out if the balloon gets too heavy. Is it really? Sure. Oh, good. <laughs> I'll just fool him and not get back in again. Goodbye. <laughs> man can take that treatment day after day is beyond me, McGee. Well, they say you can get used to anything in time. Though after 30 years, I still squawk about those 47 pins in a new shirt. <laughs> if I had a new shirt. But whip was... Hey, hey, what are you doing with my hat? Oh, I'm just tying a little green ribbon on it. Oh, but Molly, that... Wait a minute, McGee. Huh? Can't look any funnier than it does now. What do you mean? Now, where's that banana? Oh, there. And a huh? bunch of grapes. Huh? Now for a veil and a feather. Oh, Molly. <laughs> now wait till I try it on. There, now, how's that? Oh, my gosh, that looks awful. You've got a lot of nerve kidding around with my straw hat after all the work I've been to. Take it off, Molly, take it off. Oh, no, let me wear it, McGee, just for a laugh. Come in. Take it, take it. Oh, Mrs. Uppington. Hello, Abigail. <laughs> How do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee. Well, if it isn't 150 pounds of sugar. <laughs> May the 5th be good to you, Uppy. <laughs> You do say the oddest things, really. <laughs> you have such a gusty sense of humor. <laughs> you mean breezy, Abigail. Uh, is that the same as windy, Mrs. McGee? <laughs> Just about. Well, then that's what I mean. <laughs> oh, but I have the most wonderful news for you. You ain't moving out of town. Good heavens, no. Whatever gave you that idea, Mr. McGee? Oh, I don't know. I just thought quick of what was the most wonderful McGee. thing. Huh? Oh. What's the happy tidings, Abigail? Well, I have just thought of the most marvelous idea to conserve paper. I've written the government all about it. Oh, good for you, Uppy. What's the issue with the tissue? <laughs> you asking your creditors not to send you any more bills? <laughs> Go again, Miss McGee. Tell me, did you inherit your sense of humor from your grandfather? <laughs> what makes you think that, Abigail? His jokes are so old. <laughs> oh, but I must tell you, my dear, you know how important it is that we conserve paper. Sure, we know that, Abby. What about it? And you know that I was going to write a book about the history of Wistful Mister? Yes, we know that. Well, I've decided not to write it. Isn't that wonderful? Think of the paper I'm saving. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I've been saving them a lot, a lot of rubber, too, by not making any mistakes when I write a letter. <laughs> I'd better explain that joke, Abigail. You see, he writes his letters in pencil. Oh, he does? Yeah, he always... Why, Abigail, what's the matter? Oh, my dear, I, I can't contain myself a moment longer. Where did you get that delightful hat? That hat? Why, that's just a McGee. 
You really like it, Abigail? Oh. It was designed especially for me. Oh, well, really, it, it's the most original and charming hat I've seen this spring. Oh, my dear, I will simply not sleep a wink till I find one exactly like it. Or better yet, I shall have one made. Oh. And I just have time to get to my milliners. Oh, oh goodbye, Mrs. You hear that, Molly? I certainly did, McGee. Imagine her wanting one exactly like it. Well, I've been made a chump out of long enough. Come on, give me that hat. No. Huh? No. If Abigail Luffington thinks this hat is cute, I'm going to wear it. You're going to wear Okay. I'll see you later. Wait a minute, dearie. Where are you going? I'm going out and buy a felt hat. That was the last straw. <laughs> At no time does a woman's role in life become more clear than when a country is at war and homes are threatened, because those homes are only as strong as the women who guide and keep them. Most of us men will admit, openly or secretly, that no job at any time is bigger or more important than home management, especially when budgets must be watched closely, when things must be conserved and made to last. You women really have several jobs rolled into one, feeding your families the right food, making and mending clothes for those young youngsters. And certainly not the least, keeping your house clean because dirt wears things out. Those are no loafing assignments. And now, on top of those jobs, you save kitchen fats and salvage scrap materials for war production. You study first aid and enlist as air raid wardens. Yes, you are the guardians of our homes. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Glow Coat salute you, the housekeepers and homemakers of America and Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a moment, we will hear the President of the United States from the White House in Washington. With all of us anxious to do everything we can, individually and collectively, to shoulder our share of the burdens of this war, we welcome this message from our Commander-in-Chief. We'll all be listening, Mr. President. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. The stars of the program were real-life husband and wife team Jim Jordan and Mariel Driscoll. Uh, Marion Driscoll, that is. They were natives of Peoria, Illinois. While staying with Jim's brother in Chicago in 1924, the family was listening to the radio, and Jim said that he and Marion could do better than the musical act currently on the air. Jim's brother bet him ten bucks that they could not. Well, to win the bet, Jim and Marion went to WYBO, where they were immediately put on the air, and at the end of the performance, the station offered the couple a contract for a weekly show, which paid $10 a week. The sponsor of the show was O. Henry, a delicious start to a great career in radio. Stay tuned for Mr. District Attorney next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Mr. District Attorney and the episode, The Motorcycle Club. Mr. District Attorney, starring David Bryan. Mr. District Attorney, 
champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it shall be my duty as district attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. David Bryan as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. One of the real headaches of my job is the crime committed amid the activity of some unusual event. Here, the lawbreaker uses the stir and bustle of a crowd to cover his act, and often leaves only a confused trail to follow. This was the situation we faced in the case you are about to hear. This ain't very close. What do you want me to do? Drive in the front door? We can get out of this spot in a hurry. You sure that motorcycle gang is going to get here? Any second. Sally gave me the pitch on it and that kid's on the ball. Here, get this jacket on. Yeah. Here they come now. Let's go. They couldn't have timed it better. That girl is great. One guy, Clayton. Here he comes. Stand right there, mister. This is a holdup. He's ducking out. That's what he thinks. You killed him, please. So what? Let's get it to jewelry. Come on. Brother, look at all them diamond rings. Never mind looking at them. Scoop them up and let's get out of here. Yeah. you got here, Harrington? Chief, this is Boston. Sells newspapers on the corner. Boston, this is Mr. Garrett, the district attorney. And you're trying to find out about them hold-up men, ain't you? Well, I can tell you, because I saw them come in here, two of them. They parked one of them little sport cars right near my stand. I saw them leave, too. But I didn't know they'd robbed the place and shot poor Mr. Sloat. If I had, I'd have stopped them. What made you notice these men, Boston? Oh, I noticed everything. I spotted this little car right away Prettier than a sparrow in a puddle. The man who runs the health food store up the street says the men were dressed like motorcycle riders. That's right, they was. Leather jackets and them hats. But they was driving that little car. Believe me, mister, I seen them and I knew. I believe you, Boston. Didn't happen to notice the license of the car, did you? Oh, no, sir. I slipped up on that one. But that was because all them motorcycles come busting into town, a-roaring and a-blasting. They was enough to make a man forget his own name. Well, it's pretty obvious, Harrington. They used the arrival of the motorcycle club as a cover. Yeah, they must have known right when the club was going to get here, then. Yes, and as soon as we get back to the city, you'd better check on that, Harrington. Find out where the club meets, who the head of it is. I guess they moved Mr. Sloat's body, didn't they? Yes, about a half hour ago. Uh, you fellas leaving now? Yes, we're leaving. 
Oh, and I want to thank you for your help. It might be very important to us. Well, good. Hey, how about you fellas buying a paper from me? You can read all about the shooting. Why not? Might be a good investment. Here, here. It's this way. Where are you going, babe? I'm going in the house. What do you think? In the car. I want to show you something. What? Kid, you really did a job for us. Those motorcycles come over the hill and into that town just like you said and when you said. Well, I guess I ought to know. I belong to the club, don't I? Were you riding? Well, sure, with a boyfriend. I looked for you guys, but I couldn't see anywhere. We were busy, babe. Real busy. Yeah. Take a look at that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Let me put it around your neck. You you mean you're giving it to me? (laughs) Sure, I'm giving it to you. You're going to get a lot more. (laughs) Oh, Clayton. Oh, let me look in the mirror. (laughs) Yeah, that looks swell, don't it, babe? And you are built for that kind of stuff. Oh, I never had anything like this in my life. Well, you have now. Uh oh. What's the matter? It's Dan. The boyfriend? What do you care? Sally. Hello, Dan. What are you doing here? We're talking to a friend of mine. Dan, I want you to meet Cleet. Cleet, this is Dan Clark. How are you, Clark? Hi. Dan is president of the cycle club, Cleet. Yeah, yeah, I know. You uh, work with your motor, Clark? He delivers for a multigraph company. What does he care? What are you doing sitting out here with this guy anyway? Oh, what's wrong with me sitting out here with him? He's a friend of mine. So he's a friend of yours. Does that mean you have to sit cooped up with him in this hopped-up baby buggy? Now, listen, chum. Don't talk like that about the car. This job will wax that sucker of yours any day. You got 115 under this hood? Like fat you have. That's what you need to stay even with me. I'll stay with you, and I'll leave you. Anytime, anywhere. Put your money where your mouth is. Oh, listen, delivery boy. I'll put my fist where your mouth is if you keep yapping like that. You talk big. Let's see you step out here and back it up. Well, you think I won't? Cut it out, Cleet. I don't want any trouble here. Not in front of my apartment. Dan, I'll never speak to you again if you don't stop this. Oh, look, Sally. I mean it, Dan. You can't behave like this to my friends. Okay, Sally, have it your own way. (laughs) He's walking out on you. Don't worry. He'll come back. Come back yet, Miss Miller? Yes, he's in using your phone, Mr. Garrett, and he got the information on that motorcycle club. Oh, good. Hello, Harrington. I hear you got some information on that motorcycle club. Yeah, and I just got a rundown on the president of it, too. A kid named Dan Clark works for the city motograph company, and he'll be in their office around 3.30. Mm, it's almost 3 now. Let's go and have a talk with him. Will you be back? Probably not. We'll see you in the morning, Miss Miller. Bye. Yes, sir. Can I help you? We're looking for Dan Clark. I'm Dan Clark. Well, this is Mr. Garrett, the district attorney. District attorney? I'd like to ask you a few questions, Clark. I understand you're the president of a motorcycle club. That's right. 
Same club that made a trip to Colton City last Saturday? Yeah. What's this all about? Well, uh, a jewelry store was held up in Colton City on Saturday afternoon. Owner of the store was killed. Made the headlines in yesterday's paper. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't admit it, but I just read the comics in the sport page and let it go at that. Well, this hold up occurred while your club was riding through town. It was pulled by a couple of fellows wearing motorcycle rider outfits. Oh, now, wait a second. I'm certain none of our gang had anything to do with a holdup. Well, we're not saying they did. But how can you be so positive? Well, I know that bunch, every one of them. Well, we're not accusing your club of anything, Clark. We're just trying to get at the facts of this case. All our guys work, Mr. Garrett. They just aren't the kind of guys who do anything like that. Uh, do you have anyone in the club who drives cars on these joints? Cars? Mister, when you're a cycle man, you raid cars behind bicycles. How many members in your club, Clark? Sixty-seven, counting the girls. They're not regular members, but you know how it is with women. Well, we're willing to go along with the idea that your club is in the clear on this. But whoever held up that store expected to use the noise of your motors as a cover. They knew just about to the minute when your gang would arrive there. Which means somebody had to tell them. It sure looks that way, doesn't it? It makes me feel bad. Well, there's no need to blame yourself, but we'd like your cooperation. I'll do anything you say. We're looking for two men who drove a sports car. Sports car? Does that ring a bell? Well, I don't know. There's one guy... I'm not sure, though. Yeah, you can leave that part of it to us. I don't even know his full name. Well, could you get it? And where we might find him? I can try. After all, I don't want the club to get the blame for this. Well, why don't you check on it, Clark, and call me at my office. All right, sir, I will. Good. We'll talk to you later, then. Oh, it's you. Hello, Sally. I thought maybe you were never coming back. You know better than that, Sally. I do. If you don't, you should. You know how I feel about you. You certainly don't always show it. Getting nasty about nothing, insulting my friends. I see you with another guy, I get jealous, that's all. I'm sorry. It shows you don't trust me. I'm sorry. I promise it won't happen again. I'm glad to hear it. I want to talk to you about something. Aren't you going to ask me in? Okay. Come in. Hiya, Clark. I didn't know he was here. Sit down, Dan. Seems as though this guy's taking up a lot of your time. Watch it, Dan. Remember what you just promised me. Why don't you relax, Clark? We've just been seeing a lot of nice things about you. Like what? Well, like it takes a pretty smart guy to be president of a club like yours. What am I supposed to do? Take a bow? I'll see you later, Stella. Now, wait a second, Dan. You're not going to go off on another huff, are I got you? things to do. All right, if you feel you have to go. I'll see you Saturday on the ride. There isn't going to be any ride. What do you mean? There was a holdup in Colton City last Saturday, same time the club was riding through the town. The police think the crooks used us as a cover for the job. And there was a man killed. So what? You guys didn't have anything to do with it, did you? No. But I wouldn't like the same thing to happen again. So we're going to cut out the rides for a while. See you around, Sally. Uh, wait a second, Clark. What for? I don't think you ought to call off that ride. Who cares what you think? Well, it's like I said before, Clark. Why don't you relax? I'm the kind of guy could do you a lot of good. Wait a minute, Crete. I... I wouldn't go too far if I were you. I know what I'm doing, babe. Clark's no dummy. He's not going to turn down a real good thing. 
Five o'clock. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's simple. If you let the club keep taking those rides every weekend, it could do me a lot of good. And I'm a guy that likes to return a favor, which means I could do you a lot of good. Which also means you're one of the guys who held up that jewelry store in Colton City. Not a bad operation, was it? A touch of genius, if anyone wants to ask you. Somebody did ask me. Yeah? Who? The district attorney. I couldn't tell him very much then, but I can now. Attorney's office. Hello, Miss Miller. Put me through the chief, will you? Yeah, he's right here. Hang on. Carrington, chief. Where are you, Harrington? Ninth Precinct Station. And you're not going to get any report from young Clark, chief. No? Why not? He's just been shot dead in front of an apartment house on Harris Avenue. Back to David Bryan, starring as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. The jewelry store had been held up in a small town just outside the city. The owner of the place had been murdered. A motorcycle club entering the town had innocently provided the noise and confusion used by the gunman as a cover for the crime. We had questioned Dan Clark, president of the club, and he had promised us the name of a probable suspect. A phone call from Harrington gave me some bad news. Young Clark had been shot to death. Report just came in that the ambulance is on its way, Chief. I thought you might like to meet me there. Well, whereabouts on Harris Avenue, Harrington? Between Lamar and 10th Street. I'll leave right away. Or question any bystanders and the people who live there. It must be a tie-up with the neighborhood some way. Okay, Chief. I'll be waiting for you. Better cancel those two appointments I have for this afternoon, Miss Miller. Looks like I'm going to be tied up for the rest of the day. All right, Mr. Garrett, I'll make the calls right away. Hi, Chief. Clark was still alive, so they took him in before I got here. But Lieutenant Padway just got a call from receiving. The kid was dead on arrival. Anyone know what he was doing here? Girlfriend lives in one of the apartments. Well, let's go in and talk to her. Did she see it happen? Yeah, claims she didn't see a thing and doesn't know who did it or why. another cop. This is Mr. Garrett, Miss Brady. He's the district attorney. I've already answered a thousand questions. What do I have to do now? I'm sure you won't mind answering a few more. The boy who was killed was a friend of yours, wasn't he? I'm sure he was my friend. But can I help it if he got killed? Were you engaged to him, Miss Brady? Well, I guess you could say I was, yes. Do you have other men friends? Well, you know how it is. The girl's nice-looking, and the guys come around. 
I wouldn't want to push any of them in the face. No, I'm sure you wouldn't. Well, did Dan Clark know any of your other friends? No, he didn't. Well, Dan was kind of jealous. I, I never let him know who else I was running around with. Are you sure he didn't know anyway? I'm sure he didn't. Well, do you live here alone, Miss Brady? With my sister and her husband. They both work. And do you work? Oh, well, right now I'm in between jobs. And that's a very attractive necklace you're wearing. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you like it. Present from one of your friends? Well, yes, Dan gave it to me. Thank you, Miss Brady. We won't trouble you any further. Oh, and thanks for your cooperation. Don't mention it. Something wrong about that girl, Chief? Yes, and I think she's wearing it around her neck. Could you describe that necklace, Harrington? Sure. Where's your car? At the precinct house. I rode over with the squad car. Well, get in. I'll take you over there. Then I'd like you to drive over to Colton City. Find out if that necklace is part of the look. Right. Hi, Cleet. Been waiting long? About a half hour. I wanted to be sure I wasn't following. Smart girl. How's everything? Everything's wonderful. I have them eating out of my hand. Even the district attorney. You should have been there. I'd have died laughing. Oh, incidentally, you didn't give me that necklace. Dan gave it to me. Kid, you sound better to me all the time. <laughs> what about Saturday? I talked to some of the boys at the club. I convinced them that they should make the ride in memory of Dan. In memory? Oh, quit it, will you? Babe, you're killing me. What town? Cliffdale. Perfect. I already know the place will knock over. I want to go with you, Cliff. That's out, babe. If you want to see that town, you ride a motorcycle like the rest of them. You think I can't? I think you could do anything. What's it going to be this time? More jewelry? Dough. Lots of dough. You'll find out. Go on home, kid. I'll see you later. <laughs> Hi, Chief. Morning, Miss Miller. Morning, Harrington. Hello, Harrington. Any luck last night? No, nothing. Seems that the store's always been a one-man operation. And with the owner dead, no one can positively identify any of the stone pieces. That's too bad. Well, we just got a report from ballistics that adds up to something. The bullets that killed young Clark came from the same gun that killed the store owner. Hey, that is something. Can you ride a motorcycle, Harrington? Well, I used to be able to. I guess I can still wobble along on one of the things. And it seems that motorcycle club is going to take another outing tomorrow afternoon. I'd like you to ride with them. I'd be delighted, Chief. But I haven't got a thing to wear. Oh, Harrington. Well, we'll take care of that for you. I want you to stick near the girl as she goes along. You'll have a two-way radio on the machine so you can contact me in my car. Oh, and maybe I'd better make the arrangement of that right now. Captain Warren of traffic, Miss Miller. You got his number? Let's see. Yes, it's right here. Get him on for me, will you? Okay. 
to get a break. Parking space right near the joint. Yeah. There's two lone copies in this block. We're taking the one with the big sign. Get out. Have we got to wait for the motorcycle? I want to case the place. Come on. KNK4 to car 6X2. KNK4 to car 6X2. Car 6X2. I'm giving you item. Go ahead. We'll be in Cliffdale in about five minutes, Chief. I'm on the main street at the far end of town. How about the girl? She's riding with another guy right in front of me. She didn't recognize me with this headgear and goggles on. Hey. Hey, I lost them. They must have speeded up to the front. Try to pick her up again, Harrington. Keep in touch. Okay, Chief. KNK4 signing off. Can I help you? We'd like to talk to somebody about a loan. Can you wait just a moment. The interviews are all busy just now. Sure, we wait. Look at that. I've been looking. There's the motorcycle club. Right on time. All right, folks, this is a hold-up. Don't anybody move. And I don't want to hear any more of that, or we'll really start blasting you. Get the money out of that safe. All right, all right. Please, don't point that gun at me. Get the money on the counter. I will, I will. Now the other one. Yank them phones loose. Good idea. Get the dough. Yeah. All right, down on your faces, everybody. And stay there. Anybody tries to follow us, get the bullet right square in the push. Come on, let's go. Come on, jump in. Three of us said he's going to be a tight fit. Jam yourself in. What are you doing here, babe? I called the car and here I am. Come on, get going. Turn up the alley. KNK4 to car 6X2. KNK4 to car 6X2. Car 6X2. Go ahead, Hangen. I just spotted the girl. She's with two men in a light blue sports roadster. They went down an alley and turned parallel to the next street. I'm following them. Which way are they heading? North. And they're moving toward me. I'll see if I can get some help in setting up a roadblock. Stay with them, Hangen. I'm going to switch over to the local police. Car 6X2. Car 6X2. Car 6X2. Way back. Some guy on a motorcycle. Don't worry about that. This rocket could lose any motorcycle or any cop's car. She's a honey. Look, we're doing 90, and I only have it halfway to the floor. I ought to punch you right in that cute looking nose of yours. What's the matter? Don't you like my driving? I told you not to try to butt it on this. You might as well get used to me, Cleet. I like excitement. Well, it looks like you're going to get some. There's a roadblock up ahead. Turn into that field at dirt road. That barn. Stop in front of that barn. Yeah. as soon as they stick their heads in that door. We can hold out in this place for a week. They're going to take us, you hear? Give me one of your guns, please. Here they come! Get them! Hey, look! 
Give it back to them. All right. All right, I quit, I quit. Throw your guns down, then. There you are. That's all of them. All right. Now come down here. The three of you. Okay. We're, we're coming. What a hell of slob you turned out to be. Big, tough men. Shut up. Big, tough men till the shooting starts. Then you quit cold. That's the usual pattern with men like these, Miss Brady. Rough and tough as long as they have the edge. Well, we're going to change all that. We're going to take them out of circulation for a long, long time. And I think we can put you away somewhere, too. Come on. Let's go. This is David Bryan. I hope you enjoy this case from the files of Mr. District Attorney. Now, here's the star of Mr. District Attorney, David Bryan, with a word about the program you have just heard. This was another case that made big headlines. The two men we call Crete and Bostick were tried and convicted on charges of armed robbery and first-degree murder. Sally is now serving time as an accessory before and after the fact. Now, this is David Bryan inviting you to join us when we present our next case based on the facts of crime from the file of Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney was originated by Phillips H. Lord. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Red Skelton, followed by Suspense Theater. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zuma Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.